Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Live with the Apollo. Sorry, um, why would you tell me that? <laughs> Why would you tell me that, Dave? Sorry, I've just oh, been so busy. I'm such a fool. I'm such a fool. I thought I would have to politely, <laughs> kindly, and supportively bring up Live at the Apollo. But no, I should have known the PR machine, the self-promotion <laughs> machine that is Neil Delamere, would not miss the opportunity to say he has done the biggest comedy show in the UK, Live at the oh. Apollo. Cue the applause. Oh. Thank you very much. I'd forgotten I did it, actually. I'm, I'm she, so yeah. glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, I'm sitting here in a seat I've ripped from the arena itself, from the age-old. Um, not, it's not a stadium, is it? It's a beautiful theatre of uh, three and a half, four thousand 4,000 seats. It was immense. Uh, yeah, can I just say, can I say a couple of things and ask you a couple of things? Number one yes. is... Can we actually welcome people to the podcast for a second? I first? don't. Yeah, we welcome to everybody. One. This is called Why Would You Tell Me That? It's a great podcast. He talks, I talk. We discover things about the world we didn't know. We get an expert to back those random opinions up in the second half. Anyway, back to Levity Polo. <laughs> so, first of all, I yes. have to say, Neil, as we've explored in this podcast before, I've never been to see you live. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> One of us is going to die, and uh, yeah, in the next yeah. few years, I reckon it's it's going to be soon, actually. I don't know why I have a haunting feeling, and you'll never have seen me. Sorry, I'll just put down the stick of butter I'm chewing here. It'll probably be me <laughs> who dies. Um, I think you might be really good at this comedy game. <laughs> okay? So I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I, I've listen, I, I, I'm a massive fan of yours, as you know. I'm just very busy when it comes to the actual... yeah. Local dates, you know. yes, yes. But the international ones, I'm very proud to be associated with you. Yeah, and um, that's the first thing. You're absolutely hilarious. You killed oh, it. Now, look, much. I've been on stage. I've been part of a comedy show, not stand up as per se, I suppose, but part of a comedy show, and uh, you know, uh, uh, an entertainment evening, a uh, a soiree of humor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you are walking out to three, four thousand people, but more importantly the BBC cameras. Yeah. Like, do you not be bricking it? No, because you've done it a million times before. Now, the the weird one is, um, I said to my friend, have you got any tips when you do it? She goes, breathe in and hold your breath. And I was like, why? Because you walk under the sign. So the sign comes up. Yeah. And all that dry ice is uh, is just fired yeah. out into the onto the stage. Yeah. And um, she said that she knew somebody who did it, like their big moment, they've always wanted to do Live with Apollo, breathed in at the wrong moment, <laughs> took all the dry ice in, instead of, hello, the Apollo, do a sort of, and then spends two minutes recovering from that as the audience goes, is this part of the act? Oh, is there something no, wrong with them? No, no, Are they no, okay? No. Um, they film they filmed two in one day, and I was on at the very end. Oh, is that is that better or worse? Well, I was uh, given dispensation if I needed to, because if you do two in one day and the audience is there for a long time, and yeah, say it's say it's very warm. Now, actually, it was great because it wasn't that warm, and they were really up for it. But say there's camera delays, say they're in there for two shows, or even sometimes three shows, and um, there there can be a degree of lethargy at the end of of 
you know, fair, four hours fair. sitting yeah. there. So I was given kind of special dispensation. You can MC the gig, if you know what I mean, if you need to. So you can mess around and banter and play with the audience and then, and, and then start your set if you need to. If you need to, yeah. Or or you could actually do callbacks as well if you need to, but the callbacks would be cut out of the show, you know, where yeah. you refer to somebody else's bit. And um, But I didn't need to. It was great. I just walked out and that was the crack. Well, if you haven't seen off. it, you do just walk out and launch a straight... Like, this, I love this about it. It wasn't even a setup. It was not. You were just straight into saying something about WhatsApp. It was just like, bang! Here I am. Here's the thing. I absolutely loved it. It was uh, well. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully, you loved it so much that you get up off your arse to actually go and see. Uh, you your don't really have any dates on, like I'm co-host hardly on his any shows. Seventy or eighty date tour, <laughs> literally minutes from your house. You lazy <laughs> bastard! Go to dot com forward slash gigs, and honestly, go and see him. I've seen him on the telly. He's gassed. <laughs> I've added a London date as well at you the Pleasance, Islington. So ha- have a look at that. So Dave, listen. Yeah. Um, that's enough about that. I mean, you'll be hearing about it for the rest of your life. So <laughs> at random intervals. <laughs> So um, it is your turn to bring me something that will wow me in this world, our podcast yeah. world, yeah. which yeah. is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. What do you got for me this week? Well, as the cool hip street kids would say, I mm. got you. I okay. got you. Okay. I've got something amazing for you. In the second half, we're going to be joined by a scientist, a comic, Neil. Okay. A musical theatre writer. Her name is Helen Arney. And I don't know if you've ever met Helen Ernie. Obviously, you toured the UK. She's based in the UK. She's going to tell us about the world's first road trip. The first ever road trip. The first ever road trip. And it's funny, when I started hearing about this and reading about this and researching this, I realised that I didn't really ever think about the beginnings Mm. of road trips and the horseless carriage and all the things that went with this because... I was just like, well, we've always just travelled, whether, you know, we had to go here and we had to go there. And it was like, mm, yeah, but leisure, you know, I'll just get in the car and go. Sorry, that had, what? We're yeah. Go, we're going with leisure, not leisure. Oh, leisure, yeah. Leisure. Leisure, yeah. When did you become American? Well, I don't know. It just sounds like, I think leisure... No, leisure doesn't sound right to me. Le- like I, I so leisure is doing something leisurely, and leisure yes. is leisure center. Whereas yeah, I was just saying up the road from me here is a leisure center. Swimming in a random pool yeah. just floats yeah. by your head. <laughs> That's exactly it. Okay. Not that I'm knocking the Port Marnock Sports and Leisure Centre, great else, but I'll go there. Anyway, we'll get to that in in part two with Helen. Okay, and it is this isn't now when you say it's the first ever road trip. Yeah, uh, this is. You see the horse's carriage. Like, this isn't going to be. And then they had to go to Bethlehem, for that was where <laughs> Joseph's family were registered in the census. Yes. I've waited five and a half seasons to actually admit that I am, in fact, an evangelical Christian. <laughs> and this Catholic. whole thing has been to get you and our sizable audience of Live at the Apollo fans yeah. to turn to Jesus. Rampant Catholic. Uber Tag is his hashtag. <laughs> Yeah. He is Opus Dei. He's actually the person that they, they based the maddest character of the Da Vinci Code on. Yeah. I'm he's constantly sit- self-flagellating in the corner. Oh, he's whipping the hole off himself as we speak. You can't see it now, but he's tied a cinch around not only his leg, like your man does in the film, but also full ball sack and other leg. Oh, it no. is spectacular. It's it's less, less self-flagellation, more of a sex swing. He no. is... Ram, actually, he you can't even see this, but he is during this conversation has rammed four cacti up his own hole. It's spectacular. There's actually no point in denying any of this. He's going to start taking them out. Yeah, we're going to play Catholic kerplunk. It's going to be weird. He'll take out one needle, one of his testicles drop, and that's how you know the rapture is about to happen. If I just if I deny anything, it'll be the lady doth protest too much. So I'll just let all that slide. And because we're going to be talking about the road trip in part two, I figured in part one, I'd ask you a question. What is the difference between Mm. a road and a street? Oh, um, I would say a a road goes between two towns. Okay. And a street is within a town. That's not bad for a top of your head guess off the L. There's no such thing as... Quality road chocolate. <laughs> but there is no rocky street bun. 
but, yeah, all the all the ones that Jim Henson rejected live on Sesame Road. Just, it's just a, a, an encampment. No, I don't know okay. what is the difference. Well, the, the main difference is, again, I'm actually going to confuse you and me and our listeners for a lot of this part one, okay? Because okay. it's all very confusing. But basically, streets are a destination. Okay. And a road is the kind of the direction to the destination. So you would take the Dublin road to go to O'Connell Street, if that right. makes sense. And you can apply that across the UK. You can apply it across France. You can pretty much everywhere. Like, I'm sure wherever you are in the UK, there's a London road. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. obviously in, in Roman times, there were loads of Roman roads yeah. because all roads lead to Rome. Um, but so the, the roads are almost directions. The streets were destinations. They were normally in a town, as you said, and lined by residential or commercial buildings on either side. OK, but let's talk about the names of streets, because a lot of the streets were named after businesses, services. So like Baker Street, Mill Road, Church Lane you know, Brewer's Cross, like they're all, they all make sense because they're landmarks or services or something that, uh, that, that would be familiar to the residents. Then when builders started actually building roads, they just started naming things after themselves. So famously, I mentioned Baker Street there, famously the home of Sherlock Holmes in London, yeah. Baker Street, has nothing to do with bakeries. It was built by a guy called William Baker who just went, I shall name this street after my family. Oh, you got to love that. Yeah, that's very good. Um, they can be completely random, though. For example, like the first street I grew up on, uh, which is about four roads over to my right here, is called Lime Tree Avenue. Mm. There are no lime trees on Lime Tree Avenue, <laughs> and it's not an avenue. So <laughs> it doesn't make any level of sense. Now, this is where we're really going to get confused. Just go with me on this one for a second. Okay. Right? In the US, and in a lot of cities, but particularly in the US, because they built these grid system streets in cities streets and avenues run perpendicular to each other right avenues are wider and they may have trees and buildings streets usually only have buildings on either side okay boulevards oh, are Lord. wider yeah and usually have trees and a median down the middle okay lanes are smaller streets off streets and so are ways a drive is curved and usually follows some natural, you know, could be a mountain or a forest or so, or some kind of park or something. But in Australia, those roads, the drives, are called boulevards. <laughs> Just to go back to the other thing. Okay. A cul-de-sac in Ireland, we know, is effectively a road with no exit. It only has yeah. one way in or out, right? Yeah. Uh, so we call them cul-de-sacs. In the US, they're called places and sometimes called a close. Okay. Plazas, if you've ever been to a to a piazza in Rome or a plaza in Spain, they're squares surrounded by businesses and streets. Okay. Back to the US. You petrol park, stations in Ireland. Petrol stations, yes. Yeah. You park on a driveway, but you drive on a parkway. Ah. <laughs> so parkways are roads that cut through parks or surrounded on either side by parklands. Mm. Intersections are junctions that are on the same level. Height-wise, yeah. right. interchanges are raised up above. Oh. There's one for you. Okay. Now, we didn't even get to alleys and crescents. We'll leave them for a minute. But here in Ireland, right, we have our N roads. And our N roads are our national primary roads. And actually, the M's are only part of the N's. I didn't realize this. I thought they were, because M's are for motorways. Mm. And ends are for the national roads that aren't motorways. Yeah. But the M's are all part of the N's. So the M50, the famous ring road around Dublin, is actually called the N50. It's only denoted as the M50 because it's a motorway. But in legislation, it's the N50. <laughs> so if you're the kind of person like me who likes to give things the proper name, next time someone says, just go around the M50, N50. No, the M50, yeah. the N50. Yeah, now let's see how that works out for you. I, I think that would, I think so, the taxi driver would throw you out of the taxi at his leisure, Dave. <laughs> Possibly so. Then we have a really confusing system in Ireland after that. Like, honestly, I could go into it for hours, but we won't. I'll just very quickly tell you that the N51 to the N99 are the national secondary roads. 
The okay. regional roads are R100 or 999. The local primaries are L1000 to L4999. They have to be wider than four metres. If you're narrower than four metres, you're a local secondary road. That's L5000 to L8999. Then for some reason, they skip the whole 9000s and the local tertiary roads go from L10001 to L89999. They're things like cul-de-sacs. I love the idea that nearly everybody's switched off. <laughs> nearly everybody. <laughs> But the people who haven't are sitting there going, finally, finally, they have come from the random name system in this country. <laughs> finally, someone is speaking truth to power. He's taking on big tarmac. This, 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 this is about getting cat's eyes on the streets, my friend. <laughs> so what about where the streets have no name now? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> well, actually, I always thought that was New York. Because the right. streets in New York are numbered, like 11th yeah. Street, 15th Street, 1st Avenue, 3rd, whatever. It's not, apparently it's Belfast and it's to do with the Troubles. I was really disappointed when I learned that. Oh, that's very disappointing. What is the most common street name in the world? Oh, I've got you. I've got you on this. This is like the best thing in the world, right? Now, yeah. I'm sorry, I have to do US, okay? Okay. Because I researched it and I couldn't find the world. I don't know how to deliver this to you. Okay. The 10th most common street name in the USA is 7th Street. <laughs> well, okay. I, I mean, if you think that the, the, a city or a town or a village has more is more likely to have 7 streets than 10 streets. Than 10, yeah. So yeah. the number, the 7, you know, 10th is always going to be 7th, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse. Okay. Uh, We'll jump to 8th, which is 6th Street. We'll jump to 6th, which is 5th Street. We'll go to 4th, which is 4th Street. The oh, only okay. one. The okay. only one. The fourth right. most common street name in the US is 4th Street. Then, the third most common street name in the US is 1st Street. <laughs> the okay. second is 3rd Street. And right. the first is 2nd Street. The first, the most the common. most common street name in the US is 2nd Street. And the reason is that lots of towns have either First Street or Main Street. Ah, so it okay. dilutes the First Streets enough yeah, to yeah. push the First into Third. Um, Park gets in a fifth, Main is seventh, and Oak Street gets Oak in Street. a ninth. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I thought was quite interesting. Look, Neil, we are not mature individuals. No. We like to laugh in Ireland at places like Muff, Termin Fecken, Lower Ballocks in Tyrone. Hacks Fanny's Bucks. Town in Wexford. Yes, yes. Hacksburg. Uh, but in the UK, they outdo us with the street names. We have the, I think we probably win in the weird place names. Yeah. But in Horse terms of street Jockey. names. Yes, exactly. There's so many There's odd ones. There's one called The Rower as well. The Rower? It's just called The Rower. I drove into it the other day. It's near New Ross. There's a place around the corner from between where I live in Port Marnock and Dublin and the airport. There's a place called Baskin. But everybody calls it the Baskin. There's another place near the airport called Knoll, and everybody calls it the Knoll. I have no idea why. Well, do you sit down for your dinner or the dinner? Irish people oh, no. put the in front of random things. I think Culchies do. I don't know why those two places are in Dublin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the two places you pick. You, <laughs> yeah. you actually undercut your own argument in the same sentence. I see it, I know. Anyway, to the UK very quickly as we wrap up this for the UK street names that made me laugh so hard. And I know we're not, this is not, this is lowest common denominator humour here, but I'm here for it. Yeah, it's our Titty podcast. Hill, Titty Hill in West Sussex. Okay. <laughs> Brown Willie in Cornwall. I <laughs> know. Yes. These are no. all real, I swear. Brown I Willie. I swear, Brown Willie. Okay. Bitchfield in Lancashire. Right. Butthole Lane in Leicestershire. It's true. Cockermouth in Cumbria. Licky End in Worcestershire. I know. Yes. There's no place called there Licky is. End. Imagine addressing an envelope to somebody in Licky End and licking the staff and then writing down Licky End in an envelope. <laughs> Crotch Crescent. Uh... Cox in Cornwall, just called Cox. Crotch Crescent. Crotch Crescent. I live number one, Gusset Lane, Crotch Crescent. <laughs> in Bolton, one of my favourite accents in the entire universe in Greater Manchester, Bolton, there's a place called Knob End, which is always funny. Uh, but Busty View in County Durham might be my favourite of them all. 
Oh no, Busty View. <laughs> Loads of Vikings coming in in Busty View. Is that a dick? Busty View. It's near Biker Grove, is it? Oh, it must be. Sure to God, it must be. Okay, well, look, coming up in a few minutes' time, we will ditch the uh, childish, immature humour. Yes. And we will speak to a very qualified lady called Helen Arney, who is a scientist, a comic, and a musical theatre writer who will tell us all about the world's first ever road trip. And just before we get to her, one more time, live at the Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, welcome back to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? And Neil, we are joined now by scientist, comic, musical theatre writer and one third of the science comedy phenomenon Festival of the Spoken Nerd. It's Helen Arney. Helen, hello. How lovely to be here. This is gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I told Neil in part one that we're going to talk about the world's first road trip. And frankly, this story is so brilliant on so many levels. But let's begin at the beginning, which is not the world's first road trip by foot, by horse, by beast of burden of any description. (laughs) We are talking about a very particular road trip and so take us back to the beginning when when are we talking we we're talking about uh 1888 5th of august if you're being really specific let's, let's I'm be just, specific let's I'm be i'm just trying to milk it the way you are milking forms of transport <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also he said beast of burden which by its by, <laughs> by its definition is not you on it it's it carrying something else but that's fine <laughs> totally 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 <laughs> <laughs> and yes, the first uh, long distance um, internal combustion engine powered road trip. Yes. This week, if we're going to be specific, like the podcast I normally do is called A Podcast of Unnecessary Detail. So, <laughs> well, you're in the right place. Yeah, you're talking to your brothers here. That's for sure. That's for sure. So, yeah, okay. So, 5th of August, 1888, Neil, we're talking about the first road trip. And there are so many things about this road trip that Helen is going to wow us with. But who makes the road trip and where are they going? Well, this person who made the road trip, they were the first person to make a long distance road trip. And uh, they were also the first joyrider because (laughs) they made the first long distance internal combustion engine powered road trip uh, in a car that they basically stole. And the story that is spun is that this incredible person who... I keep calling them a person because actually it's a woman and that's yes. very 
amazing, was Bertha Benz, who was the wife of Carl Benz. And Benz might be a familiar name from the, you know, Mercedes-Benz car manufacturing business. So Bertha Benz decided to, as the story goes, just take a little trip to her grandmother's house, six miles away through the Black Forest and um, just left a little note saying, oh, um, I'm off with uh, two of our children to see Granny. Uh, see you next week. And she didn't tell him that she was going to borrow the car that he invented and had been working on it. Yeah, this isn't like, you know, literally deciding to take the hubby's car while leaving him whatever you usually have. <laughs> There's only one car in yeah. the world. This is the one that she doesn't tell him she takes. It's the one. It's the Mark III. It's the one that he's been working on. He's been tinkering in his shed for years to try and perfect this thing. I mean, he, she probably left him like a beast of burden somewhere in the stables. <laughs> Just, you know, the weekend ride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he'd been fiddling with this car in the shed for two years and, and she decided that um, it was it was roadworthy and that um, she was going to take it to God. I mean, there's two there's two ways of telling this story. Like one way is ditzy housewife uh, steals husband's ride, goes to see <laughs> granny with two of their kids and just doesn't really think about the consequences. The next day, they're front page news and everyone wants one of these amazing cars. The other way of looking at it is Bertha Benz, co-inventor of the car and PR genius, who uh, in a Machiavellian way decided her husband was spending too long in his shed and they needed to get out of debt and sell some of these ludicrous cars that he Proof had been of concept. Proof <laughs> yeah. of and, concept. Uh, take to the road. Yeah. So there's two ways of spinning this story. I like and, I like the second one. But yeah. look, but before we get into the details, Neil, of, of, of the on, actual on, road hold trip. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She... So she leaves him a note saying, I've taken the car. And by the car, you mean the ca- the car for, for, <laughs> the, oh, for, for the, the world. The because yeah. like, I, I know at the time, Daimler's kind of knocking around cars. But but as far as I know, Car- Carl Benz is the dude who makes the first car. And so she, I mean, you know, what? When, when you say she stole it, like, did she hotwire it? Did she did she put it into second and try and, you know, you try and bounce start it? <laughs> yeah. what, what did she do? Like from what I can tell, she basically got like her two sons to push it out the back door because at this time, like it's it's interesting you say like at this time, cars were basically illegal. They were invented. Yeah. They existed, but they weren't allowed in a lot of places to go out on the streets, um, except like under a lot of like very fussy conditions with, you know, people in front and behind walking to make sure that no one got scared or um, got run over <laughs> by this 10 mile an hour. Well, the, the Vatican called them like, you know, the devil's vehicles like like the instruction was to not even cast your eyes on these satanic things that were beginning to appear on roads absolutely they were they were police stationed around the the ben's um house to stop the car from being driven on the road so bertha had to like get around that they she couldn't start the engine near the house because someone might hear it Mm. um so they got halfway down the road before they could even like crank the thing started and yeah just like set off i mean it's really interesting because like there have been things that look a bit like cars since like the the 1600s, the late 1600s. There's been steam-powered cars. Like the first internal combustion engines were were about 80 years before, invented simultaneously in France and Switzerland at the same time. Like one was powered by basically powdered mushroom, and the other one was powered by hydrogen. <laughs> in 1881, oh, no. the, I know. Like, That's a like big a difference. Dream, I mean, hydrogen. We're still talking about hydrogen cars now. No one yeah. is ordering a pizza al fungi and taking <laughs> the toppings off because they can't get home. <laughs> Powdered like a podium. It's like a like a fungus, like a kind of fungus like thing that that is incredibly energy intense, and you can burn it like a powder, and it's just amazing for running cars. Apparently, funnily enough, Neil, the the crazy description you've just given us of taking a product and using it to fuel your insane three wheeled, three crazy. Three-wheeled, oh, yeah. we'll get to that, uh, three-wheeled <laughs> transport thing. That's actually not far off where we're going to go with this. But yeah. I think we should pause for a second, though, Helen. We should go back and give Neil and the rest of the audience a little bit of an explainer on Bertha herself. Because, yeah. like, she, we're, we're painting her on, I think, correctly, as this A, P, or genius, B, maverick, C, joyrider, love that. Um, 
but I think we should give a little bit of background as to who she was, how she hooked up with Carl Benz. Even his chat up line is incredible. So we, we'll get to that. But, <laughs> but give us a little bit of background on her. Yeah. So she was a pretty uh, well off, like upper middle class German woman born in like the 1849. Um, so she uh, had a family fortune. She had a good dowry. She had like a, a, a wealthy background. But like this is the... 1840s the 1850s uh she wasn't automatically going to get an education she wasn't automatically going to do anything except prepare herself to get married the most astonishing thing i found out when i was researching bertha benz was that in the family bible on the day she was born her father wrote only a girl again like oh man like i've already got some of these why would (laughs) i need another These are expensive. <laughs> Jesus. They cost a lot of money to, to palm off on men and they don't really contribute anything to our family business, right? So I'm as like... A, as a father of, of two daughters, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I get enough abuse as it is. If I'd written something like that on the <laughs> day they were born. In the family Bible under your name, like that oh. is... Wow. I mean, so if that's the environment she was born into, like, wow. So she went out of her way to learn everything that would just defy her father. So she learned mm. engineering. She taught herself from books. She wasn't expected to get an education. So she, she found one for herself. Um, and uh, I, I think like she uh, looked for an escape plan. And the most obvious escape plan for a, a woman in that environment is to get married, but to get married to someone who, who will provide the escape plan. Yeah, well, she met her match all right in Carl Benz, but I love where they met and the chat up line. She was on a train and she bumped into this man, Carl, and he was on an outing to a monastery. I mean, you know, it's a standard thing to do in the 1860s. <laughs> um, and the chat up line he used for her was genuinely, he told her about his big idea. And this impressed her. And his big idea was a horseless carriage. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being on a train to Sligo or somewhere and somewhere around Mullingar, a fellow wanders into your carriage, tries to chat you up with talking about and something that he hasn't invented yet. <laughs> like that is. And she went with it. Clearly an open minded It's like the 1860s equivalent of, I've got an idea for an app. I'm just waiting for the right investment. <laughs> yeah. Listen, <laughs> if you want it, I can't say too much, but it's 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 NFT. It's, it's in development it's, stage. It's an now. NFT of a three-wheeled car. People are, all the crypto guys are really getting involved. It's going to be huge in Bitcoin, guys. It's yeah, really well. Huge, but huge. like, I mean, honestly, it's a short step from horseless carriage to uh, a horseless marriage. So, you know, it's... <laughs> Can you tell I'm writing a song about this? <laughs> yes, actually, we, we do need to explore that. We will before the end explore the fact that Helen, all joking aside, is writing a musical about Bertha Benz. It's so of course it is. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Chitty Chitty Benz Benz, it's called. Um, so <laughs> so if, if they get to, together and um, she is minted, is, is he minted and do they kind of pool the resources or anything? Oh, no, he's the ideas man. Yeah, he's really the ideas man. He's like, absolute empty pockets, all the ideas in the world. Uh, He needs an investor. And that's actually how they start their relationship before they're married. She invests in um, his some of his ludicrous schemes and some of them, you know, go bankrupt. There's like some kind of mining business or like steel business. And, you know, it, it just all goes horribly wrong and she loses loads of her money. But then they get married and all the money is sort of theirs and what's so interesting is like at this time she she the only way she was allowed to invest in his business was by not being married to him because as soon as she was married she became his technical oh, yeah. property oh, wow. and therefore property is not allowed to invest, invest <laughs> in businesses you know, oh my yeah, god a yeah, kettle yeah, can't yeah. lend you 50 quid to start your app <laughs> i'm afraid <Damn>. no. <laughs> ah. How did she know it was me, Dave, of the two of us? <laughs> I clearly have kettle app written across my face. Well, okay, well, let's let's go then to the 5th of August, 1888. And Bertha decides that, as you said, and described it beautifully, Helen, that he'd been tinkering in his shed for too mm. long, Carl. Yeah. The ideas guy was full of ideas, but this needed to be put into practice. And look, whether or not she intended this to be this giant PR exercise, it really was because the perception at that moment, as we said, of cars was distrust, mm-hmm. like evil, 
I mean, there, there's actually a wonderful short film about the trip she takes that I, I presume Mercedes-Benz made it. Certainly has their font across it. But a little girl sees her driving through towards the village. She screams, witch, witch, there's a witch coming. But that was the perception. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it was not something that uh, was like welcomed or, or desired. And um, people couldn't see the potential of it. They could only see the danger and the way mm. it was disrupting like life, like as they knew it. It's like when you see a prick on a unicycle. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some prick on a unicycle in the middle of, in the middle of Dublin with no reason to be on a unicycle. And you just think, who's this lad? We're starting to see his colours now, Helen. <laughs> I see that. But also, if, there's a, someone, if you work for a big horse yeah. uh, or, big, or big beast of burden, yeah. I mean, just, 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 just think about it. Like entire livelihoods were like maintaining the forms of transport that existed at the time. So, you know, it was steam trains and steam vehicles, but not really on roads. It was all like, it was all animal. And, you know, everyone from your horse owners to your dung shifters were like, we don't want cars because that is literally going to put us out of a job. So it was there was fear. And she steps up and she says, right, I'm going to go on this road trip. So she takes the two boys. Isn't that right? Two sons. Yeah. The two oldest children, the two boys. She leaves all the girls behind because after all, they are they are only girls again. <laughs> yes, only girls <laughs> See, again. This is internalized misogyny. That's what this is. She's fighting against various factors. It wasn't that. It was she needed her two oldest children and and uh, to push the car up hills because it really, despite cars tinkering, wasn't actually that good. And it only had two seats. Like it had three wheels, two seats, um, and two gears. And two look, gears. I'm, I'm a bit of a car guy, and Neil, Neil has, is well aware of that. But we're talking Neil a massive two and a half horsepower <gasps> here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 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 a car, by the way, because one of the things you try and achieve in car is something called a one to one ratio. So if you can have a thousand horsepower mm. in a thousand kilogram car, okay. that's a one to one ratio. Okay. Okay. It's you know it's very rare. We're only we're only beginning to achieve that now. Yeah. Bertha had two and a half horsepower in a car that weighed eight hundred pounds. Okay, <laughs> so, so sorry. There's, there's more people in the car than horsepower of the car. Yes, yeah. and yeah. I really want to paint this picture for you because because I've seen the picture of this and I, I presume you have as well, Helen. But you were talking about like literally a small bench. Yeah. You're talking about a very thin three wheels. Like they're not, don't be thinking like anything like the modern wheels. Don't even be thinking of some kind of big chunky motorbike wheel. It's like, a, you know, a, a 1980s racer yeah. bike. Yeah. I like a penny farthing. Like yes, a, you know, not far a penny off. farthing, like a steel, like, um, you know, uh, uh, Carl had a lot of um, unused, bankrupted steel uh, hanging around from his previous <laughs> business venture. That's why it was so heavy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a, a mixture between a penny farthing and yeah. a three-wheeled cart. Van. Like, think about it. Like, the cart yeah. that would be pulled by a horse. Yeah. It's a very similar. So it's got the two wheels on the back you know, backside. Yeah. yeah. And then instead of the, the horse out front, it's got one wheel. It's got an engine. It's got some kind of, uh, you know, starting mechanism. I can, I can visualize what's in Neil's head. There's no roof. No. There's no, no, it's just a bench on a, on a trike. You cannot visualize what's in my head because what's in my head <laughs> is Del Boy and Jacob Reese Mogg in, in, in the same vehicle that they've come together to design. Yeah, and if that was what was in your head, well, wow. <laughs> okay, so she wow. decides to go on this road trip to um to the is it the mother or the grandmother? Maybe the kid's grandmother, her mother. I don't know. Whoever. Well, anyway, she's going to her mas gaff. Yeah, uh, it's it's a hundred and six hundred and five hundred six kilometers, sixty six miles in uh, in Brexit, and she's <laughs> heading that direction. And think about this for a second, Neil. Yeah, there's there's no roads. There's no, the cars don't exist. So there's no, no one's paved any roads. There's no road signs because no one makes hundred kilometer journeys. That's insane. You might do it once on a train in your life to go and move away and marry your husband, but you're not, no one's, this is the very first road trip. So did she say to her sons where we're going, there are no roads. She actually, (laughs) would she have said that? Because I've seen that somewhere. (laughs) Hold on. So there's no, does she bring... 
bring fuel. Oh, oh, hang on. I was just about to say, is he gonna is he oh, gonna yeah. touch the, one of the most important parts of the story? To what? Is she bring what? Fuel. Beautiful, Helen. Tell uh-huh. him about the fuel. Oh wow. So I mean, this this is what's so beautiful about the story. So much went wrong on this journey and so much could have gone even more wrong and this could have been something that no one ever found out about it if it had been a total failure but like it it became this phenomenal news story um and this like mythical venture because of all of these problems she had to solve along the way including the fact that the like the car had no fuel tank and could hold like a gallon of petrol <laughs> and it wasn't very efficient Neil, no. so no. it's not going to go very far on the gallon uh and just like so many things went wrong with with this journey that anyone if anyone else was there at the wheel i say wheel it wasn't a wheel it was a stick there's no steering wheel it's a stick that you move from side to side um if no one was if anyone else was at the stick, then it would have gone really far south. Do you want me to break down the the disaster? Yes, please. Yeah, I do think the story with the pharmacy is just unbelievable because it, it now holds such a place in, in, in motoring folklore. So, yeah. This whole journey also birthed the first filling station, the first gas station. So, yeah, that's even a whole subsidiary story that we're barely going to touch on. But, but yeah, the, so the car barely held any fuel. So at some point she realized, like, we um, we uh, are going to have to refuel at some point. But there's there's no uh, petrol stations. There's no yeah. uh, petrol. Petrol's not being refined for any purpose. So she pops into a pharmacy and is like, uh, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what can I fuel a horseless carriage with? What have you got? And how flammable is it? Um, and the nearest thing she had that she could get from a pharmacy was this stuff called Ligroin, which is like a solvent for cleaning stains off your clothes. It's, it's like kind of a dry cleaning solvent. Yeah. <laughs> or you use it for like staining wood or something. It's like an absolutely horrible, vicious, uh, like kind of pe- chemical petrol, concoction. Chemical, yeah. Yeah. like thing that you you get from petroly stuff. I'm really showing my chemistry background here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you buy it in little bottles in the pharmacy. So she just cleaned out the pharmacy, was like, hey, you got an illigroin. How much have you got? You know, dollars on the table, Deutschmarks on the table. Yeah. Uh, and went off with like a tray of little tiny bottles and tipped them all into the carburetor uh, and cracked on on our way. And like what's amazing is, as as Helen explained, that is now kind of held in esteem as the very first petrol station because it's it was a pharmacy that sold the groin. But the pharmacy yeah. still there. No. Yeah. Yes. It's in a place <laughs> called Wiesloch and it's still there and it's still a pharmacy. <laughs> An apotheca, as they used to call it in German, or they still do call it in German, uh, but that's that's what it was. And yeah, that she went in there and had the brainwave of, I've got to fuel it with something. Ligroin might just be the be flammable enough and terrible enough to actually make this concoction move. Imagine how they dined out on that as well. Because somebody presumably spotted that business opportunity and there's some old geezer in that filling station going, I remember the day. Oh, she came in and she said, what have you got? I can light. Oh, we laughed. Her clothes were not that dirty. I said, maybe try this Ligron. She goes, that's not what I'm using it for. That's unbelievable. So she's stopping at pharmacies. Are, are more yeah, pharmacies she or just that Everywhere one? she has to. Well, that, that's the very first one. And that is therefore the first filling okay. station. But even things like cooling, like anyone who knows anything about internal combustion engines, you must cool your engine because it gets too hot yeah. and it overheats. And if it overheats, it's all going to seize up and die. But there's no cooling system. So she has to stop with the boys at rivers and get water to f- feed it into the engine. Ditches, bath, public bathhouses, like wherever she can get water on this journey. It's as important as the Legroin is to keep the thing going. I just love that idea. She walks in the pharmacy is like, uh, I'll have a bottle of spring water, a packet of chewing gum, a bag of charcoal, a bunch of flowers <laughs> for my mother and 200 tiny bottles of Legroin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's what I buy when I go in a station as well. Either she's making a Molotov cocktail or she is taking the first road trip and nobody knows this. So if, if she knew to ask for that, um, she must have thought ahead that she was going to do that, surely. But she, she as you yeah. said, it's this, it does... It does add weight to the idea that she has engineering knowledge and she knows mm. what to do here. So presumably she can fix these problems as they as they crop up. 
Absolutely. And there were so many more problems in this, like the fuel and the water ones are like the real absolute killers. And, you know, they, they're also, like you say, road testing, proof of concept, showing up exactly what Carl had not thought of when he was sitting in his shed fiddling with his, you know, perfect mechanisms. He hadn't thought far enough in the future to go like, oh, we need to carry fuel. We need to mm. carry water. And then there's all the things that went wrong. Like um, one of the one of the fuel lines got um, blocked. So she was like, hey, I'm an engineer. Anyone can be an engineer. Uh, what have I got on me as engineers think you know engineering is basically doing the best you can with what you have available macgyver and, we all have yeah. to just think macgyver yeah. yeah german female 1880s macgyver but i think any any level of engineering is that you want to build a bridge uh what have you got like you want to go to space what have we got like that, mm. that's a literal definition of engineering uh so she pops out a hat pin and that does the job i'm thinking i mean if it had been a guy would they have had a hat pin. Would they have probably had the not the job? She'd probably she have to break break a rib of the smallest child, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> just like the floating rib, he'd be he'd be fine. Yeah. Just a little one. <laughs> just a little just, one. Just, just one you're not going to miss. Yeah. What else happened? There was the um, brakes were made of wood, which was useless, uh, and they wore too smooth, so the brakes stopped working. So uh, she found a cobbler to put leather on them and basically invented brake linings on the fly. Come on, oh, Neil. Jesus. She invented brake lining. You see, this look, it's the practice. It's the doing. She did it and then realized what people needed. Yeah. I think my favorite one, though, is like uh, an electrical cable needed some insulation. And um, this was like a real stopper. If you if you couldn't fix this, the whole thing the whole thing was game over. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, I don't have anything elastic on me or anything like, um, uh, oh, yeah, I do. I have my garter. So, you know, just <laughs> pop off your stocking, um, pop your little bit of elasticated fabric around your uh, electrical your junction. Wire, and yeah, yeah, you're good, yeah. And you're done. You're off again. How long is this podcast going to be? Are we going to get it? And then she went to cat's eyes. <laughs> and then she sent the children away and went dogging. And then she did donuts in the car park. And she cut and shut the car with another car. And she invented Formula One, the Nuremberg ring, well, and the Hindenburg. Actually, there is the best punchline to this entire story, which I will absolutely let Helen tell. But after she does the 100 odd kilometer, 66 yeah. mile journey yeah. to her mother's, yeah. Helen, I'm setting you up. Granny wasn't in. No! <laughs> 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 Please tell me Granny hadn't taken the other prototype and gone the other way. <laughs> Please tell me this isn't the first head-on collision in history. That was, oh, what a terrible and unexpected turn this would have taken. That's or not turn, that's why they cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't there. No way. Isn't that just unbelievable? And so what did she, she did? She just turn around and go back. Well, no, presumably she stayed in the, well, the night. She sent a telegram to her husband and said, oh, um, by the way, I borrowed the car and it's fine. I fixed everything that's wrong with your car. I got a few notes. It needs another gear because we had to get some people to help it get pushed up the hill. So, you know, can you add all these things? Love. Mrs. Benz and Carl contacted back and said, "Okay, great, fine. Please bring the car back because it's in an exhibition next week. So you need to get it back and please, like, let it be in one piece." So he, he didn't inquire about their health or uh, no. you know how they were or anything. Just like, sure, sure, sure. Just bring the vehicle back. Because how long? How long did it take then? If like sixty, what's the top speed of this thing, Dave? Do we? Do you know? Oh, 10 miles an hour. Okay, 10 miles so, an hour and it's 66 no, miles. Sorry, six, no, 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 no. We should say 66 miles is like, you know, as the crow flies. as the Mercedes Benz yeah. the crow flies. This is not, this is not so what happened. This was like a day. Circuitous. Right. Like I'm yeah. sure it took, must have taken a day at least. Yeah, a day. They set off before dawn to like, you know, get out of the mm. way of the police. Um, but yeah, they arrived, they arrived within a, within a day dealing with all of this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, yeah. what, what a, st what a story. It's it's so brilliant, and the thing is, it is so successful in terms of PR. This this literally changes the world, and this is why we really want to talk about Bertha because after this, Helen, like the perception of the vehicle, its mm. uses, it, it, the, the the practicality, the the use usefulness of a car, it completely changes overnight. Yeah, it, it, people suddenly 
realize there is a use to this. There is a purpose to it. Like progress is here <laughs> and it has three wheels and a stick. Um, uh, yeah. And the, the orders roll in and it becomes the first car of the many cars that had been invented, electric cars, steam cars, mushroom cars, hydrogen cars, like all the different cars that had been invented across the world. Um, this was the one that captured the imagination of the people who wanted to throw money at it and get a car. So yeah, the, the orders started rolling in and it, it became the, the first sort of not mass produced, but like commercially available, viable car. And all of the things that Bertha had discovered on the journey, they got incorporated. And and it's just it's just so interesting. I feel like the, the fact that her grandmother wasn't there when they arrived just shouts to me that this was absolutely not to do with visiting her grandmother. This was absolutely to no. do with telling Carl that, you know, he could spend another five years fiddling with this thing. And in those five years, someone else would get to the punch before they did I have an image of Carol still not understanding though I have an image of Carol still not understanding how big PR this is and he goes out to the papers and goes any car I make will go 66 miles Bertha has to drive all of them so we're going to have to figure out a way to replicate Bertha but cloning can only be around the corner because we have a three wheeled car I think I've understood the PR success of this Bertha and Bertha's like hand me the other hat pin I'm going to take over the business but I mean, how much of a change would that be? It'd be like, right, well, clearly only women can drive these things. Yeah. Uh, like, what a change that would have been. <laughs> I mean, how quickly it fell back into like this the standard procedure. So how is, yeah. how is she? I actually haven't heard of birth events, uh, much to my shame, um, until Dave is bringing this to me. Is she remembered? Do Mercedes-Benz love her? Do, you know, can you drive the route? It's like, the you know, isn't it the Gordon yeah. Bennett route you can drive around Ireland? Absolutely. Like, there is a, a Bertha Benz memorial route and it is like a, a, a between Fort Simon Mannheim, the, the place where they lived and the place where Granny lived. Um, and you can drive in. There's like an annual shindig where people bring out old cars. Not not all um, that old, but like <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, like a like the London to Brighton. People get their old cars out and oh, they yeah. do this journey. Like that's that's one thing that's kind of celebrated about it today. This is one of the reasons this story is so well painted and so detailed, but also so like problematic is you read all these histories about Bertha Benz and what she did in her like 30s with this car journey mm. and then you start reading further into the biographies and you come to a bit where it says you know she was finally recognized for her contribution to engineering in the year 1944 where she was awarded a honorary degree from this technical university in like berlin and i'm just gonna say that and let you put two and two together 1944 <laughs> yeah. Berlin not not the greatest German yeah. government to be recognized by who's, if you who's know what giving I mean. her the, yeah. the honorary degree it's Hitler right so like <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. um she was in her mid 90s at the time and she died before the end of the year like you know there's an argument that she kind of didn't really get what was going on there's another argument that she was a not unenthusiastic supporter of the nazi party of course mercedes-benz being the vehicle of choice for hitler and what's kind of really made this story so muddy and that's why it's made it so interesting for me is that um this story was used as german propaganda and she was taken um her story was taken and used by the Nazi regime to um, like extol the virtues of German women and uh, Bertha was like you know the mother of German ingenuity and she was repainted in all this propaganda as this extraordinary woman who did who did this extraordinary thing but in service to the Nazi regime so yeah it's really challenging to retell this story when you know that someone else has retold this story in a way that I find abhorrent. And that's and, why you're writing a musical about Bertha to retell this story and particularly this road trip. Yeah, 
exactly. It's it's such a story that needs to be released from its history, but not yeah. leave its history behind. Fair, fair. Yeah, I sp- but I suppose it did happen in 1888 and she becomes a fervent Nazi, if she is indeed a fervent Nazi, in the late 1930s and mid-1940s. It's a story that comes with a lot of baggage in a way that the Mark III Carl Benz Motorwagen did not come with baggage because there was no room for baggage. <laughs> like the, the baggage there was just... no sizable <laughs> trunk. No, no, there was no baggage. They had no baggage because there was no room for baggage, and yet, like the baggage has been added later. Um, and I just find this so like fascinating that you know, like women in history, especially when they're um, given a, a platform where their stories are told, like it's really. It's really hard to find stories where women are allowed to be complicated and wrong about stuff. Mm. Um, like you don't know if it, I, I haven't seen it, but like Oppenheimer, you sit in the cinema for three hours, like with a guy who was wrong about things and right about things. And that kind of quantum physics of being both right and wrong about stuff at the same time. It's like that's three hours of reveling in that juxtaposition of those two ideas whereas most like biopics about women in science or women in history are like um well they were either one thing or another and that's yeah. like it yeah but, that, like, that that role is painted yeah dave did i tell yeah. you i saw oppenheimer and uh, somebody invited me to the premiere of it and i was with keith barry who was beside me um so i may have seen oppenheimer or i may think that I have seen Oppenheimer. <laughs> I'm to, to any of our who don't know, Keith Barry sure. is a mentalist who may well control <laughs> Neil's mind to this point. I mean, uh, I, Neil, in I, fact, I, maybe I, you're still in the I, cinema watching Oppenheimer and you think you're doing a podcast months later. Which is what Christopher Nolan would want because if there's anybody who would absolutely <laughs> fuck with your mind, it's Christopher Nolan. I think, I'll keep you in the I cinema think, for far too long. I think long. Christopher Nolan should come out to, at the start of films and just go, you all have already seen this film and then just go home. <laughs> Because that is essentially <laughs> what I feel like every time I watch one of these films. But this um, has been much more understandable on many levels. It has. And Helen, please plug a couple of things. Tell everybody what the Festival of the Spoken Nerd is for a start. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a show I've been doing for about 15 years with a um, uh, a guy called Matt Parker, who's the UK's finest stand-up mathematician slash only stand-up <laughs> mathematician. <laughs> very strong field of one um and a guy called steve mold who used to do the experiments on blue peter um, yes and wow. won't stop going on about it and we do a show together which is like a science comedy variety night and we we're still doing them we're doing some big shows in london later this year we also have a podcast uh called a podcast of unnecessary detail um we will which... link to all of these things <laughs> in the show notes please go and and listen and look and attend if I ever finish this song from the Bertha Benz musical, then it will be on that podcast. So, you know, amazing. Go check it out. <laughs> Helen Arney, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us all the story of Bertha Benz. It is much appreciated. Thanks, Helen. Thank you. Welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That with me, Dave Moore, him, Neil Delamere. And that was Helen Arney telling us about Bertha Benz. What do you think of that, Neil? Oh, that was class. What a woman. What a Seriously. woman. I'm, I'm going to sort this out. I have a PR brain. You are clearly tinkering around with an engine and I am going to sort this out. <laughs> but, Not but only am I going to fix stuff with random bits, random accoutrements, <laughs> a, a hat pins and all the rest, but I'm also going to set up accidentally the first ever petrol station. Yeah. And my favourite sentence in the whole thing was she took the car. Not like the way we say that is in oh my missus took the car I can't play golf. She took the only car there was she took it. <laughs> yeah. Had to outrun the police to get out of the place. Yeah. Oh, what a hero. And Helen was brilliant. Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. I, I can't believe I haven't heard that story. But I know. That's, that is the exact thing that you want to see at the end of an episode of Why Would You Tell Me That? I can't believe I didn't know that story. Right, well, you can wow me next week with a story that I undoubtedly haven't heard. What are you going to tell me about? What is the most famous national park in the world, do you think? Uh, Yosemite? Mm-hmm. Oh, Yellowstone. It's Yellowstone. 
It's it's widely considered to be the, the first, uh, certainly in America. And we're going to talk to a research scientist called Kira Casty from Yellowstone. And she's going to explain, you know, that whole alpha wolf thing. Yeah. Alpha wolves. And people use alpha wolves to justify all sorts of alpha male behavior in humans. Yeah. Nonsense. What? Yeah. It's nonsense. And she's going to oh. explain exactly why next week. Excellent. I can't wait. Right. Follow Neil Delamere on Instagram at Neil Delamere Comedy. I'm at Dave Today FM. The show is at Why Would You Tell Me That? And we'll see you next time. Bye. I'm going to drive in the N50 home now. <laughs>